Josh, where's where's the campsite? It's coming up just ahead over there. Are you scared of the dark? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But I'm with my friends. I'm okay. <laughs> Field of Geeks presents The Super, Super Unknown. I'm Josh. I'm Juan. And I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. Hey! Welcome, Paul. Special guest of the show this week. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what fascinates you? Sure, yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to be here. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Great. And I have a background in nutrition, so I am a uh, clinical research scientist uh, with Kemen Human Nutrition and Health right now. And before that, I worked at uh, Muscle Farm which is a sports supplement company and Kemen is an ingredient supplement company. So working in the field of supplements for human nutrition, human optimization. So um, ingredients that go into uh, vitamins that you might find in the vitamin aisle and then sports supplements as well. So my main interests are uh, nutrition, sports nutrition and human performance. So that's kind of what fascinates me are how nutrition and exercise sort of interact and intersect and, and affect uh, human optimization, human flourishing. I think the anti-aging is, is a really cool topic, and I'm not sure how many people are, uh, are familiar with it. It's one of these topics that is really big among Silicon Valley people and, you know, uh, the, the, the wealthy and illustrious who want to live forever, right? And so there are, there are scientists working on, on this kind of stuff. And there are a lot of scientists who believe that, that aging is essentially a disease that can be cured. And so I think that's a fascinating area and is something that's at least worth talking about and kind of, you know, playing around with and, and you know, and separating the where we are from the, you know, in reality from the, from the hype. I think people have either very low expectations of science or very high expectations of science. So sure. it's either like that's impossible and we'll never get there or, you know, uh, we're going to get there and we're going to get there tomorrow. So very fascinating to approach age that way as something that can be cured. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, Paul, like I studied something very similar, like where I was talking about how they view uh, aging as a disease and things like that. I guess my question to you is you're going to the idea of like how nutrition affects that because one of the other avenues I noticed that I saw I learned about was having to have a, more of an integration with um, technology I'm assuming you're going more on the nutritional side and how to manipulate the genes am I even close yeah no absolutely so yeah no I'd love to go into the technology side as well um, I don't know nearly as much about that are you thinking in terms of like a sort of like a digital upload? Like, you know, I want to live forever by, you know, uploading into the cloud kind of a thing? Uh, that's a concept that I've, I've read into, yes. But, mm -hmm. And then there's another one where I've looked into where it's basically like um, uh, nanobots or something that they would inject okay. to. And it's along the lines of like, you can, it'll see a problem and then you can almost like 
in a sense, like type, okay, fix the liver or make this function better. Right. You know? Yeah, no, and I think that that, um, I think that's interesting as well. And that I think ties much more into the nutrition. The biggest key here is that we have stem cells in our body. And so we have cells that can essentially, you know, bring us back to a more youthful state. So I think, I think the first step in, in thinking about this properly is to kind of, at least from a nutrition standpoint, is to think about this idea of a biological clock versus your sort of a chronological clock. So the idea that, that you might be chronologically, let's say 50 years old, but that there are various ways you can measure your cellular health to indicate that maybe you're actually have the cellular health of a, of a 35 year old. Okay. So I, th I think for one, that's really cool. And I think that as, as that becomes cheaper to do, um, so there's a couple different ways that those clocks are generated. One is through what are called telomeres, which are essentially these little end caps on your chromosomes. And the longer they are, that is, that is sort of one way to measure uh, biological age. And that's relatively cheap. That's something that people can do, I think for maybe a hundred dollars and to kind of get your biological age. So like, if you want to, you know, but it's it's not super super accurate, but it's 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 a pretty good proxy. How do they test that? Um, I don't know the specifics. Um, I, that's a little beyond my my understanding of it. Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I've just I've looked into it a little bit, and I know it's not super expensive. But is it saliva? I mean, I don't know. I know you said you don't know how they test, but I'm like. Do you have an idea if they take your blood, your saliva? I'm guessing it's saliva because I think it's like you can just mail it in. So I think oh. it, I think it, I think they would be able to do it. Um, I think they could do it via saliva. Okay, that makes sense. And then, but there's a there's a newer method called the Horvath clock that um, was recently discovered. And um, once again, I don't know exactly how they do that, but my understanding is that they use a few different parameters. So it's not just telomeres, um, but they, they measure along a couple of different things, and then they're able to very accurately determine your biological age. And part of the reason that accuracy becomes really important there is because, like, let's say that people wanted to, you know, some of the ways that you could, that you could do anti-aging, obviously everybody wants it to be in a pill, but at the same time, uh, there are, like, nutritional and dietary uh, uh sort of avenues that you can take some of them aren't very pleasant and so you kind of want to know that it's working if you do if you go down that that route and so having a really accurate measurement could be nice because you could say okay i spent a year on this you know diet i didn't like very much but i was able to achieve you know minus two years on my biological clock so now i'm two years younger after you know you know what i mean so that kind of accuracy can be useful for sort of you know changing your behavior and doing interventions to kind of see is this working or not i want to ask a question then um so let's get a little bit more sci-fi in this okay let's say i'm an individual who is missing a limb are they mm -hmm. looking at the technology or are ways to regrow limbs or is that just too far off the grid of what we're talking about i think that that's going to be very possible and I'm not sure, you know, I, for me, I think that I wonder the race between like having a prosthetic that's very lifelike versus growing your own, like which one gets there faster right? and, and better, right? So like, oh. so like if you were missing a limb, then if it's, 
if it's totally synthetic and you almost can't tell the difference, then how different is that for your usability than one that you that, that you regrew? And then the other thing to really get sci-fi on it, like if it's prosthetic and it's super lifelike, right? You can okay. easily switch it out w with an upgrade, right? So like how bionic do you now want to get? Do you want it to be <laughs> as good as it was or do you want it to be better? You know, how nice is it to be able to switch out for an upgrade? I think at that point it becomes, I don't know, in my mind it almost becomes more desirable for it to be, for it to be synthetic because mm. then you can kind of, you know, do all sorts of crazy stuff with it. I got tons of questions, but uh, has anyone here seen the movie Upgrade? Yes. It is the best worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. It's it's like there's like a section there's sections in it where it's extremely good and then it gets like what is that? Am I watching a B movie and then it goes back to it's weird. But uh, the concept of it is, I believe the individual becomes paralyzed. Am I right, Josh? I believe so. Yeah. And so there is a doctor, scientist, whatever who puts a microchip on his spine and now it's kind of like Venom. He has this like subconscious character inside of him that has command over his body. But yeah, it's like the AI of the chip, isn't it? Yeah, the AI. Yeah. But the AI, you know, I'm not going to give away the whole story, but basically is that form of technology something you think they're actually looking into and bringing it to the surface like something that is assisting you so like uh basically uh, i know for a fact in recent time there's been people who've been getting microchips so mm -hmm. would that be like the idea of saying okay i have a microchip my microchip says i need to update something just like i would download an update from my phone or something like that i was just listening to the second elon musk on joe rogan yeah uh, I, think he was, uh, I haven't heard the whole thing yet but you know he's talking about um, you know, and talk about people who are like, you know, making promises super soon. You know, uh, he's talking about Neuralink being available and and embedded into people's heads. And Rogan's like, so how long are we thinking? And he's like, oh, five years. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? In five years, we will have embedded Neuralinks <laughs> in our brains. And it's, you know, it's Elon, right? It's like yeah. you could say that that's crazy. But, like, the guy gets stuff done, right? I, so I, Yeah, I, I totally applaud what his aspirations and everything he's, he's accomplished. Does he come off to you as a Bond villain? You know, a potential Bond villain? Like, <laughs> I could just see him hitting, like, reset once we have all these devices and stuff. I think, going with that, Josh, I think this way. I think like, <laughs> you've got to have, like, all of our great people in history that have helped us, like, actual Tesla... You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Even Einstein. All these people are kind of always a little off in general. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they have to be outside the box. Of course. And he actually thinks outside the box and has the capital to back it up. True. So True. it's a big deal about Elon because I like his concept on things. But, yeah, uh, as what you were saying, Paul, like the, the chip in the head, I did. I, I knew something about that. And actually, I mentioned that on uh, one of my podcast shows. Remember, Josh, uh, the supercomputer, and they load that yeah. chip up. Yeah. So I learned about that back in the nineties. So that's <laughs> so, crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. It's a big wow. deal. 
Because they were looking to that concept. They weren't, they didn't say how exactly it was going to go, but their theory was like, there'll be a day where they can put a microchip, the way they said it was like a liquid form, like, and you would rub it in your skull and, and it would dissolve in front of your skull and it would sit in front of your brain and record all the activity from your consciousness, your subconsciousness, every, everything. Then when you pass away, they would take the chip out and put it in this massive supercomputer. And the and the goal was, a hundred thousand years from now, their 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 children would have the technology to just upload us into a supercomputer, and it'd be like we never died. It would just be like uh, virtual reality. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, you're, you're talking like, uh, have you guys seen Altered Carbon? I haven't yet. Of course I have. I've watched it. Ah, super that's the good. idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. So but good. They call it a stack, and that, and that, yeah, the stack, and that yeah. goes in the spine, so back of the neck. Yeah. So then you can. It's basically yeah. just like a hard drive, like a flash drive. You can just have on the, on your person, so that it records everything, and then it just gets swapped out with different bodies. Well, then they get you with that unlimited yeah. storage cloud fee, you know, for your mind, and that's yeah, that's all I hear with Apple. <laughs> You're like, oh, you're, you're out of, you're out of space. You're gonna have to delete some. Memory. Wouldn't that suck? It's like, well, I guess I don't oh, need I to eat. Apple. I guess that's gonna be, that's gonna be the war, maybe. Paul is between the technology option. I guess they're both technology based. I mean, because you have to develop the 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 medicine or the drugs or however you want to phrase it to organically enhance yourself versus just going all into the whole sci-fi realm. I mean, I. I, I don't know, I imagine technology side would be a lot more expensive. Would would you would you say that, Paul? Well I think I think where it where it gets kinda of tricky for me is that with the technology side, I think that we have a lot of faith in um, our concept of transferring bodies. Right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. that's never been done. We don't know that that's actually I don't know that's gonna be me, right? Right. So you know, I've heard even some people complain or not complain, but talk about how, you know, um, even like teleportation with Star Trek, like that's not the same person. Right. Once you right. teleport and dissolve yourself and you're somewhere else, why is that the same person? You know, right. you're you're putting a lot of faith in in, um, in uh, you know, dissolving your body. Right. If you will. Right. Right. So I think the technology one is tricky because I feel like there's a I feel like there's a gap there that we're that we're not addressing and just hoping on faith that mm. if I can gather enough information that that makes me me and I put it into something else that that's going to be me but we don't know right because we don't it's a sort of mind body problem or the right. or the heart problem of consciousness right right we don't know if the consciousness comes along exactly um, it's the uh, it's the old ship of thesis problem right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So we, we think that we, you know, we think that this, that the, that the whole is the same as the sum of its parts. Um, but like, who's the first person who's going to try it. Right. So I think in some ways the technology can get, can get to that, to the edge of that chasm maybe faster in some ways. Cause the biological problem is tricky, um, in, in a, in a different sort of way, because you have to kind of affect every cell. Right. So like, all of your cells have to essentially like 
you can't go too young because essentially you become cancerous. Like our our bodies are this delicate balance between like cell death and then cell overgrowth, right? And so on either side, if you have too much, it becomes a disease state. So cancer in some ways is just a disease of of overgrowth. And so, you know, it's cancer is kind of the the limiting factor on the on the upward end of age so it's you know it's it, it's like it's like we're tweaking these dials but um y- you know if you if you tweak them a little bit too much uh you're back in a disease state it's just a different mm-hmm. disease state so right you so you say just like um right formula almost like that right combination of the correct age to reduce to the correct i guess it's, it's, it's almost like a crapshoot. And it's, and it continually changes, right? So like the biology, like, it's like if you, it's like you have a system, you know, as you get older, all of your systems kind of worsen at the same time. And so you're constantly tweaking the system, but it's not like the system stays the same. It is slowly getting worse at the thing, at the, at the fidelity. So you're trying to keep its fidelity optimal and you're trying to keep it at this, you know, meanwhile, all of the systems are kind of crashing slowly. So, you know, it's kind of where stem cells are exciting, where it's like, oh, but there's a way to kind of regenerate and bring cells back to a to a perfectly young state. And that's kind of that's true. But, you know, it's not that easy. It's not that easy to hack. Mm-hmm. I get what you said. So I guess. uh Paul, like right now, as for advancements in in this kind of uh, study, what what is showing positive effects right now, like from the realm of nutrition, I guess. Okay, so here's like, here's what the, have they found success in? Yeah, here's the good and the bad of it. So I think the first thing that I want to say to for for everybody to understand is that is that increased lifespan is goes hand in hand with increased health span. Right. So I think one of the fears that people have is, is it's like, well, I don't want to grow. I don't want to grow older for longer. Like, I don't want to be decrepit for more years. Like, who wants that? Right. Right. But the people who live long tend to live really healthy to the end. Right. So when you go to when you go to these so-called blue zones in the world, which are these areas where you have a high number of centenarians. So like Okinawa, for example. When you go to Okinawa and you talk to the, you know, 100-year-old people, like, they're functional. They are living, you know, they're not running marathons, but they are, they're fine. Like, they're, they're able to, like, get out of bed, to live their life, to climb the hills, to you know, continue uh, with a high quality of life. So I think that's really important. You're, the, that health span is primary for anybody in this field. You know, we want to live healthy longer. So that's so that's important. Um, <clears throat> so that's I think sort of good news. Um, part of the bad news is that all of the research in this area started with um, certain animal models where they were looking at caloric restriction. So restricting overall the amount of calories that you're consuming. So that is the best sort of model, or that's the best. All of the research sort of starts there. So. Even the even the so supplements that fasting. people are looking into, mm-hmm. so basically fasting. But it's but most of the original studies were a, were a, a form of caloric restriction. So essentially, twenty five percent less calorie intake overall. 
So uh, fasting can be somewhat different where fasting can sometimes be more of like a time period of lessened intake, but there's a lot of overlap. So uh, so for lack of a better right. word, sure, fasting, fasting or caloric restriction in that world, right? Which which nobody likes, right? I mean, this isn't this isn't fun. Nobody's happy to say like, you know, um, it's like if you imagine like, you know, essentially if you imagine caloric restriction, like I would like you to eat three quarters of every meal that you ever consume. You know, it's like, oh, so you want me to be hungry all the time? That sounds fun. Can't wait. Like, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> That's the best, right? And and fasting, you know, it's is tricky, right? I mean, it's not, you know, there's a reason most people don't do it anymore. It's not that fun, and so that's where people are more excited about. Okay, well, are there fasting memetics? Are there like, uh, are there pills I can take that'll do it for me without the, uh, you know, without having to go through that? But from a diet and nutrition standpoint, most of the research at least centers around kind of um, some sort of fasting caloric restriction or some sort of fasting memetics. So ketogenic diets or other diets that maybe trick your body into thinking you're fasting right if that makes sense yeah do uh do ketones play a part in any of this yeah yeah ketones play can can play a big part um and, and you know it's 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 hard to know what is playing a part in in many ways but ketones absolutely are involved in every single you know they're involved in they're they're probably mildly involved in caloric restriction. Um, they're definitely involved in fasting. They're definitely involved in ketogenic diets. And so um, they can play uh, a role along along several fronts. Okay. And I think part of, part of the way to think about it too, in terms of fasting, like, okay, well, I don't, you know, for anybody out there who's just like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I don't get why that makes any sense, right? <clears throat> Is that it's kind of like, one way to think about fasting is uh, is that it's kind of like being able to, you know, I often think about the body in some ways as sort of like a bus station, right? Or like the Port Authority of New York, right? <laughs> and if you constantly have like, if you constantly have food going through there, buses going through there, like the place is just going to get dirtier and dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. After a while, you want you sometimes want to have periods where there's no buses running through and you could just clean up. And that's basically what the body's going to do when you go through a sort of period of fasting, right? So, and sometimes, you know, and for people also who are like balking at the idea of fasting, like we all fast every day, right? And it's just while we sleep, right. we're fasting. So one of the benefits of sleep is that during that time period, you're not consuming anything and your body can go to work to help, you know, clean up. And, you know, one of the methods that it uses to clean up is what's called autophagy, which is essentially, uh, you you know recycling cellular material that it no longer needs in that form right so if you have like defective uh you know organelles in your cells you can kind of recycle those um so so it's very much like a cleanup process and so <clears throat> some of the research is around what's called time restricted feeding which is essentially kind of opening up the window of that nighttime fast so you know if you're sleeping for eight hours what happens if you very often people will start eating as soon as they wake up and then eat until they go to bed, right? And why not, right? It's delicious. Uh, <laughs> it's delicious. So I know. But if you if you expand that window a little bit, you can see start seeing health benefits just by expanding that sort of eight hour sleep window to a nine hour or to a ten hour or to eleven hour. So it doesn't necessarily have to be 
16 hours of fasting. It doesn't necessarily have to be a full day of fasting in order to see benefits. Is that the main key, you think, to these other regions that are able to be in their hundreds, let's say, and still active? You think fasting, obviously diet's got to have something to do with it, but uh, are these, uh, do you find these people are fasting a lot to maintain? So, excellent question. So one of the, um, so one of the blue zones, at least, that I know of, uh, which kind of spurred on the entire sort of like major olive oil kick that kind of happened and the Mediterranean diet kick mm-hmm. that kind of happened maybe like, let's say, 10 years ago. Uh, a lot of that research came from the island of Crete out of Greece. And they noticed that that was one blue zone where there were a lot of people that were that were a lot of centenarians, a lot of people living to be long. And they wanted to pick something you know, as we do in their sort of like reductionist sort of scientific approach, people wanted to say, what's the one thing that we can pull out of Crete that we can then, you know, uh, turn around and sell essentially. And that was olive oil. Well, they eat tons of olive oil, two to three times what a typical person does. So that was a lot of the kick. You're like, you got to replace everything with olive oil. You got to do all these things. But there were, there were three other major factors that I still don't think are the only factors, but are all factors I, I think are really important. One was fasting. So these people, these folks are Eastern uh, Greek Orthodox, right? So in the Greek Greek Orthodox Church, they are doing some form of fasting um, half the year. So every other day on average, they're doing some sort of fasting. Sometimes it's a meat fast, sometimes it's an olive oil fast, sometimes it's a full fast, but they're doing some sort of fasting every other day. Um, So I think that has an important effect. Um, Number two, very hilly there so they're always walking hills and i think that has a huge effect um sure. where you know you're you're doing walking so it's it's kind of low impact but it's kind of it's 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 good cardiovascular while being low impact on your joints mm-hmm. and they probably get used to it right it's like go walk a hill it's not easy like it's, <laughs> it's hard right yeah. it's hard on the cardiovascular but it's not that high impact so i think that that's a really good form of exercise for individuals, especially if they're doing it like an hour or two or three a day and it's just part of their life, right? Sure. They don't have to take extra time out or whatever. Uh, the last one that I think is fascinating is just that the average person from Crete was able to recognize 300 different wild greens, right? So while they're walking those hills, they can just look at the pasture and be like, oh, there's purse lane and there's lamb's quarters and there's wild spinach and there's a wild and so for me like you know if you if you're of a culture where you know that many greens then chances are you're eating quite a bit of those right and Mm. you know you compare that to the western culture where like we don't eat any wild greens you know what i mean i don't see too many people in their backyard being like oh while i'm weeding i'm gonna just pop these in my mouth you know (laughs) so even though you can with most weed, right? So that's just one example of where some of these people are using fasting quite a bit. And in Western culture, you know, fasting was a big part of uh, the Catholic Church and the Catholic calendar. You know, Muslims have uh, Ramadan. And so it is another sort of one of those um, ways that sort of religious rituals have helped to encourage um, kind of uh, healthy habits right mm, right it's crazy that you say this stuff all because uh 
I had, I've been, technically I've been fasting for like the last week, intermittent fasting. Okay, and, awesome. Uh, and uh, in the past, um, just because of my parents and how I was raised, um, my mother being a Christian, my dad being basically like a chocolate Jew is the way I call it. Um, <laughs> so many, so many way I can explain, explain oh, yeah. it in as quick as form. Okay. So, Sammy Davis, Junior, Pookie Goldberg, that type deal. Anyway, awesome. I love it. That being said, like, um, both of my parents practiced in their own way different forms of fasting. Like, my mom would, her church would have you fast for a day. My dad, his practice would have him fast for, like, two, three days. So I had been doing it since I was a kid, off and on. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so, like, I did a lot of studying on it from a spiritual aspect, a mental aspect, and a physical aspect. And so it's like, to now, it's almost like you're giving me this unique confirmation of like stuff that I've learned over the years towards fasting. I'm not even saying on the spiritual level, I'm just saying on the physical benefits of it. But mm -hmm. I've noticed that like people that fast a lot, they do look very young. I'm still told to this day, my parents look like they would be my siblings. Whoa. And my mom, my mom's turning 60 next week and my dad's pushing 70. Wow. So, and that's amazing. And Congrats so, to them. Yeah, my dad, since I was a kid, he rarely ever ate, and he was a cross country runner. He ran a lot of country, cross country. Like he, he never was a big guy. He would eat when he would eat. He would like feast. He would eat a ton of food, and then he'd be like, "Oh, I won't eat again until tomorrow." Or some days he won't eat at all. That's crazy. And he's always been that. Way. He's just always been that hmm. way. It, it's just who he is. So when he eats, he eats like a madman, but then he won't touch anything for like the next 20 hours. That's crazy. So, uh, did he ever say he had hunger pains? That's what gets me. Like some, it's weird. Like sometimes I'm not hungry. I don't know if this makes sense. I'm not hungry, but my stomach is like, feed me. And I'm like, I don't want to eat, but mm -hmm. damn stomach pain is irritating me. <laughs> it's like, fine, I'll feed you. Mm -hmm. um, I'll get it. I'll, this example, Josh, um, the way I look at it is more like a, it's like a sport for me. Like that first day you do fasting, mm -hmm. it's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next time you do it, it'll be like, okay, now I did eight hours this time today. Now I'm going to go for 12 hours. And then, oh, I did a whole day. Right. And leave it alone for a bit. And now I did two days. It's like, but since I have been doing it at such a young age, mm -hmm that I started earlier. So like the longest I've ever gone is on a water fast for seven days. Wow. Nice. Wow. How'd that That's feel? That's awesome. <laughs> well, after day, after the third day, you don't think about food. Wow. And now Juan, are you taking, are you taking ketones or are you taking um, like some sort of salt or some sort of uh, something to keep your, your uh, sodium potassium? Um, well, that was a that was a time ago. That was probably maybe like five years ago that I did that. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, currently, I do what is called uh, OMAD, or it could also be called uh, the Warrior's Diet. So I do OMAD means one meal a day. So mm -hmm. within that time frame, because I I'm a person that's challenging for me to cut weight, easy for me to gain weight. Um, whereas I have friends who 
they think about losing weight and they'll drop like in an instant. I don't have that ability. So yeah. what I do, I, I try to get as many calories as I can from every different, you know, every different macro I need. So some proteins, some good, good carbohydrates and some fats. Mm-hmm. And I try to get as much as I can in. And I know I can't go over my caloric intake in that one sitting. I just can't. I'm not getting right. And mine is roughly about 2,000 calories. Um, but what I'll do is, if I do get hunger pains, Josh, I'll just, I'll cheat and go and get something liquid. I just won't chew anything else. Oh, okay. So, like, that's that's just, like, my default, like, when I'm really getting that. So, like, little tricks might be, like, chicken broth or mm-hmm. just something that it satisfies the taste buds, but the caloric intake's not high enough. Yeah. And I like ketones for it as well. So I do use ketones when I'm fasting since they are essentially and it's going to be liquid and it's going to be salty and it's going to be something where, you know, I'm you're getting you're getting the salt that that you need uh, while your body is kind of, you know, trying to readjust with uh, what you're doing to it. So, you know, it is important to be getting to be getting salts during during right. fasting and and the ketones are kind of you know you're giving your body the fuel that you're trying to make it make anyway so it's kind of like priming the pump so um i find that they can really help to get through a lot of it but yeah Juan, everything you're saying man i'm 100 percent on so um I, I think that you're i completely agree with everything you said i do feel like there are a lot of like sort of like spiritual and mental benefits that that are really important as well right because um you know and and i agree with with what you're saying in terms of you know to josh where where part of it is part of its training right it's like i mean it's like going into the gym like you don't start whole hog when you go into the gym you start slow you get your body used to it and you know so many people and and Juan tell me if you've had this experience too like when you tell them you're doing this how many people tell you like oh I can't do that like all the time the first thing they say oh I can't do that and it's like I'm not special I just did it like you just you can do it I'm not saying you want to do it and I'm not saying it's not going to be rough but I'll tell you one story when I was doing it and I was uh once when I was doing I think it was a full day fast and I feel like it was the next day and it was like I don't remember if it was the if it was the if it was the morning of or if it was the next morning, um, but I just remember being at work and I was like, I was like locked into this like daydream about like about like pizza like it just it was just appearing in my mind like so vividly. Oh, welcome to my it world. It wasn't that I wanted it. It wasn't that I was hungry for it. It was it was just like the image just popped into my brain so vivid I could see it and it was just like pizza. It, it was just like my brain it was like an advertisement. It was like my brain was just like pizza like I forgot. Like he was challenging pizza. you. That's awesome. I exist. I mean, Paul, you might have a like chip. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, what if that that could be something dangerous too, couldn't it? If marketing gets into your chip uh, somehow, they're like, "We need to sell this product right now. We're gonna McDonald's, give it to him in his dreams." Going crazy in your brain, McNuggets, McNuggets. Yeah, Shamrock Shakes. <laughs> I mean, even, I don't even know I if they have to. This. I do. Yeah, that's this. true. That's true. Yeah, the I old there. the old movie theater tactic. Yeah, remember? Uh, you probably heard this, everyone. Uh, when you're like, I think Drive-ins made it popular. You'd be sitting there in your car or whatever, or sitting, I guess, and 
all of a sudden they had these concessions come out and dance on the screen, you know? And it was like subliminal. It's like, oh, I'm I want some popcorn. I want some candy. I want a I want a soda. Yeah, so it already got you there, but yeah, the chip could even be uh, worse, I guess. <laughs> you gotta pay someone to shut it off or something, or set it, like, maybe that's the future. Like, you know what? Uh, instead of actually using my, um, trying to do, use my mind, maybe I need to get some assistance and just have, uh, have, the, have the chip tell the brain, like, okay, we're gonna just stick to this keto, we're gonna fast, okay? We're gonna, we're gonna tell that. has an appetite suppressant. Setting, probably. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's like we're gonna tell the stomach to shut up, and we're just gonna run the show. And I do want to add this in there as another tech, and maybe Paul, you may have said this before or something like that to somebody. But what I tell a lot of clients is uh, the signal for hunger and thirst are pretty close to each other. So a lot of times, people may think they're hungry mm. and they're actually dehydrated. So your yep. body just doesn't know how to sick the signal is so similar yes you might actually be hungry but you're really dying of thirst your body needs hydration gotcha um and needs to consume more water so that's a common thing that happens a lot of times with people they're not really hungry right Absolutely. yeah yeah and they just Very jump true. to conclusions like oh i gotta i gotta feed i gotta eat yeah screw this diet i just started this morning i gotta I gotta eat some uh, chocolate or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever your brain your brain tells you, right? <laughs> Which is always yeah, the wrong I'm, thing <laughs> to me. Yeah, one of my favorites is my kids when they're like, "Oh, I'm I'm thirsty for soda," and I'm like, "You can't be thirsty <laughs> for something. You're either thirsty or you're not." It's you could say I'm thirsty and I would like to quench that thirst with soda. Right. But like That's you know, there's no different. You know. Uh, dial for I'm thirsty for milk or for water. No, you're not. Yeah, I've, so. I've, I've told my kids that after a meal, they're like, I'm still hungry. I'm like, have some water. That's not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that candy you want's not going to either. Like, have some water. <laughs> it's so silly. It's like, well, this little sugar stick will fill me up. No, it won't. <laughs> right. It'll dissolve before it even gets to your stomach. It's just, yeah, just nuts. But uh, kind of going back to... Um, you know, like you were talking about the biology testing. Is that is that how uh, you said it? I maybe I yeah, so that. sort of like the Horvath clock or like mm -hmm. the telomere clock. So it's basically your biological clock. I know usually we talk about that in terms of um, you know in terms of uh, having children and stuff like that. But essentially, just that there that you your your cellular age could be different from your chronological age. Mm -hmm. Like I've been on this earth for. 45 years but maybe my cells are operating depending on your activities mm -hmm. your cells could be operating as if they're 60 years old or as if they're right. 30 years old kind of like organs right like you know you could be 26 but you have a heart of a 80 year old man let's say you know if you treat it really bad or you sure. have a deformity whatnot uh what if they can harness like okay this is um this is your age like right now they're doing these tests correct yes so if they give you the results and it's it's not great, uh, what are they are they wanting you to take supplements or change your diet? Is fasting a part of it? And if this could be mastered, let's say by everybody, what is the life expectancy like? The rate of increase? Do you do you think or even imagine it could be? Right. So I think that the 
I think that the benefit of now having these clocks and especially the accuracy of the Horvath clock, I'm excited that we can start to look at scientific interventions and kind of see like, okay, well, let's compare and contrast now and see how effective any of these things are, right? Mm -hmm. Because the biggest problem with anti-aging without a biological clock is it's like, I could tell you that a supplement will make you live longer, but we're going to have to wait till you die to find out if it actually did anything. And even <laughs> right. if and even then, you don't know, right? Maybe you would have lived that long anyway, right? Right, so, right. Uh, so having this clock now can really help with scientific interventions. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, I mean, I think that there... I think that our, our body is so affected by uh, so many things. So, you know, the big four for me are uh, our nutrition, exercise, sleep, and then stress reduction. So stress reduction can take a lot of forms. I like meditation, but those that can take a lot of forms. But all four of those factors are going to affect your, your overall health. And I think in terms of diets, the way that I think about it is that you essentially, you have, you have a, a sort of, a fasting system in your body of metabolism. What do we do when there is no food? And then you have a fed and digestion sort of system. You know, what do we do when there's a lot of food? And so one of those is dominated by mTOR, which is really important for people who want to grow muscle and who want to, uh, you know, uh, who want to want to grow muscle, grow bone, um, you know those types of things all of which are really important as you're aging right so you don't want to you don't want to turn that off completely you want to still have good bones good muscles um uh those become really important as you age at the same time those are also those systems can then lead to sort of cancer and overgrowth and uh you know so you want to keep that system in balance on the other side you have starvation which is dominated by what's called amp kinase or amp k and or ampk and that system you can kind of play with in order to increase autophagy to increase you know some of these systems that will help to um kind of keep everything cleaned up and activate you know stem cells and keep cancer down right but obviously we don't want to turn on starvation all the time because you die that way too so right. um so I, I so that's where it's something like intermittent fasting or certain sort of a balance between you know turning these things off and on can be really beneficial in terms of supplements there are supplements that start to play with these systems um you know i think the area of ketones is really interesting. I don't see a lot of research in terms of ketones and anti-aging yet. Um, it seems more focused on sort of um, performance, human performance, and sort of sports performance and, and more things on that side. But I think that there is a role to play. I think we're still not sure about, you know, ketones are a little bit tricky because usually your ketones are, up until recently, ketones in your body are, are low when food is plentiful and ketones are high when food is not plentiful. So they play a, a role in a specific context. So taking ketones when food is plentiful, I think kind of confuses the body a little bit, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure how exactly um, you know that's gonna work. So it's been a little bit tricky in terms of ketone supplementation, but I think there's definitely a role there, but, but we're not quite there yet. The one area that I would like to sort of um, have everybody leave with in terms of supplementation is um, the area of sort of uh you know resveratrol and terostilbene um i think that those are both supplements so resveratrol is comes from red wine and has uh gained some notoriety in the past few years there's been a lot of research in 
on that. And terastilbene comes from blueberries. It's a very similar biochemical. Um, you know, I do take terastilbene um, on a regular basis. Um, I think that they're that they're similar, uh, so you can take one or the other. And um, I think that there's some some good indications that those uh, biomolecules are effective. Um, and then additionally, uh, nicotinamide riboside or NR, um, I really like as well. So um, NAD, uh, NR sort of turns on, uh, increases NAD plus in your body. And NAD plus is uh, a biomolecule that the body uses to determine whether you have uh, a lot of uh, glucose, essentially, uh, carbohydrate, a lot of food or not. So are you fed or are you fasted? NAD plus is a major biomolecule. So keeping the NAD plus high, and as you get older, your NAD plus reduces. Mm, so keeping NAD plus high right is really, stuff. really important. So uh, you can you can kind of do it through vitamin B3 and through niacin, but having something like NR, and the brand name is Niagen, I think is a, is a better way uh, to do that. So... Wow. I think that was a lot, so I apologize. I can kind no. of, you know. Only thing I wanted to add, is the last thing I was going to say is, and I, I, I think we kind of didn't uh, bring it up, but I do believe from what I've experienced through fasting and what I've educated myself on, there are a, a massive increase in uh, human growth hormone from uh, fasting of your natural secretion. Am I on the right track there, Paul? Yes, that's my understanding, too. I do believe it's transient, which I think is actually good, you know, because I did want to ask you, Juan, just I'm curious how you find that it that it affects your performance. Right. Because, you know, it's it's so interesting to me that, like, a lot of the people that are really interested in fasting and these types of fasting mimicking diets um, mm -hmm. are like bodybuilders and people who typically, you know, want growth at all costs. And so but in my experience and with, you know, some of the the athletes and and um, and bodybuilders that I've worked with, with um, they don't find that it's that it uh, decreases their their performance in terms of uh, in terms of muscle mass or in terms of strength. So, what have your experiences been with that? I think it's a trick question. Um, I think with a bodybuilder, for example, unless we're talking about a person who considers him or herself to be a natural bodybuilder, I think there's a lot of. Mm -hmm other PEDs that are are having influence over the body and the hormonal, you know, secretion and things like that, which is going to make it hard for that individual to evaluate their performance because they don't know what to place that performance on. So um, the best example I've seen and experienced is actually the Bradley Cooper movie uh, Limitless. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things about, if you have seen the movie, basically he's, if you have not seen the movie, basically he's I've given the super pill and it gives him like unlimited access to his brain in the grand scheme of things. And one of the things they kept saying in the movie is he had to keep reminding himself to eat. Wow. He was in a fasted state, you know, like right, right. 95 yeah. times. So he, he had to be reminded to eat. He was losing weight. So, like, people that are, like, really thin, that's why I wouldn't use the bodybuilder as much. Like, I feel sharp when, I, when I'm when i fasting. Like, once you break past that barrier of the hunger pains, I feel sharp. Yes. I feel, like, yeah. focused. Yeah. I, can, I can write 
three novels, I can, I could yeah. run for hours. My endurance level goes up. My, 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 my blood pressure goes down. Yet I have a constant like good rhythm in my heart rate. Um, things like that that I've evaluated and looked at. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these good things, and this it's just like a clear mind. Uh, how you feel, just every every sensation is better. So like even when you eat food, it'll actually taste better. So like you'll actually yeah. gravitate to like fruit more than you would gravitate towards like fast food, just because the fast food it almost seems like just like I was saying with the bodybuilder, it feels like uh, that synthetic stuff. It'll it'll mess with your senses. Right. Like it's almost like pixelated. Like you can taste the pixels. Like yeah. wait a minute, <laughs> this is manufactured. They, yes. This is fakery. Yeah. No, I would agree with all that, Juan. Absolutely. And these are really good points because you know the. I, I don't think that something that people necessarily understand or would or would naturally assume comes from fasting. Um, but I 100 percent agree with all of those. I mean, in terms of mood and in terms of mental benefits, like it's they are profound. Right. They are profound and they're very, very noticeable. Right. And it kind of makes sense. Right. So I try to look at all biology through an evolutionary lens. And if you think about it, like if you're starving back in Neolithic, Paleolithic times, that's because you've been hunting for a while um and uh you know especially paleolithic and the hunter gatherer right where it's like you've been hunting for a while and you haven't succeeded that's why you're starving so your body kind of gives you like a last jolt in order to like okay buddy like this is this is it like if we don't do it now then we're done for so like let's sharpen the senses let's elevate the mood let's sharpen the energy let's sharpen the focus let's put everything you know let's this is our this is it this is the time um so it kind of makes sense right Mm -hmm. that the body does that and i think that's also where the human growth hormone comes in where that seems counterintuitive like why would the body initiate more growth in a time of in a time of you know starvation uh, it seems somewhat counterintuitive. I'm not sure the exact mechanism and, and why, other than to say that it's probably some sort of like a protein sparing uh, mechanism where the body is trying to spare uh, burning muscle and is, you know, using human growth hormone to kind of combat um, almost as a hedge to kind of combat some of the other, you know, starvation hormones that are that are flowing through your body. I, th- I think it has something to do with um, basically just because, and I only talk about like America or North America, like how we eat, we've become very like glucose, uh, are basically carb dependent. Mm -hmm. So basically when you fast, you allow your body to reprogram itself and become more fat dependent. So our our sources of energy right now, the predominantly most people, their source of energy is carbohydrates or glucose instead of using or throwing fat into the furnace. So it's a weird thing our bodies do. It, right now it wants to use sugar first, muscle second, fat third. And so when you put yourself in a fast state, it actually reprograms it and forces it to go after the fat. Right. Based on stuff that I've looked into. Yeah, no, and I think there's some truth to that for sure. Um, you know, I would, um, <clears throat> you know, this is something I've thought about for a, for a while, and I would, um, you know, I would take the blame off of a little bit off of Western diets. I think that this is programming that happened, you know, 
back in you know plants and in bacteria days right so um because the you know our whole system is something that bothered me for a while where i was like why are all of our systems based on glucose like why is glucose the driver for everything and you know i think it it goes back to photosynthesis it goes back to the fact that you know at at some time in our ancient ancient evolutionary history the best thing to make out of you know uh water and carbon dioxide with sunlight as an activator was glucose so then the rest of us are just screwed to then make everything all systems of metabolism then work off of glucose as the primary right so right. um so we're kind of we're kind of stuck with that right and then we go through this paleolithic era where we're largely eating fat and protein um and those are our main sources and then we get to the neolithic with you know agriculture and then uh carbs go through the roof because it's like oh we can just grow tons of carbs yeah right and so and then we're eating just tons and tons and tons of carbs and then you know up until today where then we you know invent cake and then (laughs) dang it Um, (laughs) milkshakes so hey hey guys I'm sorry I haven't really been present here. I've been sitting here listening while eating a uh, family bucket of uh, fried chicken. And I <laughs> <out> all fat. boy, <laughs> Dave. So, um, so you've reached you've reached Dave. That's what he's saying. You've reached him. He's he's changing. Yeah, all like, this fasting you know, has made me hungry. Well, yeah, no, I mean, uh, you've you've touched the nerve because I'm not going to eat the second bucket I have here. <laughs> No, I uh, no, I appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on. Unfortunately, I have to uh, drop off, but you guys still keep talking and still recording. So, but no, I uh, interesting stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's been an eye opener. That's for sure. Yeah, I I am motivated. Right, I that's, that's awesome. All Thanks, right. guys. Thanks, Dave. All right, Dave. I'll talk at you Thanks, later. Dave. Right, gotta go wash my hands <laughs> from the grease. Greasy. <laughs> <laughs> I might just use the bucket. <laughs> Wipe the face of the bucket. Just fill it with soap and use it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> One thing I wanted to get into a little bit more, uh, going back to sci-fi, the whole Highlander oh, aspect you were talking about, Paul. Like, uh, you know, yeah. like if you could harness perfection, let's say, re- with regards to your your age, like tackling that, like. Is there any realistic projections you find of lifespan increase uh, from this? I mean, I guess you'd have to almost start from the ground up, right? Like when you're born or is this, is it, you know, is it kind of too late, but you can still, of course, get benefits from it, but not like lifelong benefits? No, it's a great question. Yeah, I know. And, and thanks for bringing us back to that. Um, yeah. Uh, are there realistic projections? In my mind, no, there aren't. People yeah. are crazy. Like, I've heard sort of quote-unquote futurists just throw out, like, 500. Like, oh, yeah, 500 within our realm. We're going to hit it. And I'm like, 500? Are you serious? <laughs> like, how can you think that? Like, what are you talking about? Like, we're lucky to break 100. Like, right. for me, no. For me, so, so to just, I mean... You know, I think it's going to be fascinating, and I think we should definitely just play around with the idea of 500 because it's fun, and why not? And who right. knows, right? Because with the combination of technology and biology, I don't think there are limits. I mean, if we can take consciousness and put it in a different body or a different interface, 
I think that's fascinating. And I don't know about you guys, but man, when I watched Highlander, I was like, sign me up. Like, <laughs> immortality, let's do it. Uh, I'm ready. Dude, I'm ready for immortality. The quickening. <laughs> let's make it happen, right? And, but, ju- I mean, just to touch on sort of realistically, no, I don't think we're too late. I think that um, that's the beauty of sort of stem cells is that, you know, there are there is research that seems to indicate that there are drugs in development that that can reverse aging. So it's not just it's not just maintenance. It's not just mm-hmm. stopping aging, but there is some evidence of reversal. Right. Um, so I do think that you know, <clears throat> you know, I think that if you're if you're in, you know in a sort of like sweet zone of sort of you know like 20 to, you know, let's say 65 or 70, um, especially if you, you know, kept yourself pretty healthy. I think that there's, you know, I think there's a lot of room for, for, um, you know, for messing around, you know, I'm kind of realistically would love like, like a one, you know, 25, 150. I mean, I think that would yeah, be pretty cool. You know, I think, and I sense. think that that's sort of, I think that's sort of realistic. Yeah. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. you know, but if, but if people are living to be 500, I mean, you know, like my biggest, you know, I th- people better start getting some hobbies because, right. you know, you're going to have a lot right. of time on your hands. And like, let's let's do some interesting as a kid. That's what was cool to me. Right. I was like, OK, like the first hundred years, I'm going to master Kung Fu. And then the second hundred years, <laughs> I'm going to master, you know, because you're watching the Highlander anyway. So you're like, how many martial arts am I going to master? Like I'm right. gonna master like ancient sumerian like like uh you know uh you know elbow killing and then right. I'm gonna, you know i don't know it's just like, you know it's like you know kid imagination stuff but like you know people get better get some hobbies because we're gonna have a lot of time on our hands well especially if the retirement age doesn't change you know it's like well you you've hit 70 or you know and uh i guess uh i don't know uh watch some yeah. netflix and uh enjoy your life I get another idea, and, um, and, and it's a theory. Uh, the first, well, two ideas, actually. The first one is almost like uh, the Matrix. Like, you're basically plugged into this machine, and your, your actual physical body is not being used. But mm-hmm. your consciousness is in a, in a realm where if you actually hurt yourself, you're not really hurting your physical body, but, like, whatever the brain believes mm-hmm. to I guess tech happened, but basically, like something like that, I could see more realistic, like a virtual reality type scenario, so they can preserve mm-hmm. the body for hundreds of years, hypothetically, and and be like and safer oh, okay. too, right? Because if we it's do safe. think things biologically, accidental death is always on the table, right? So it's just like. You know, you get your certificate that it's like we guarantee you're going to live to be 500, and then you're walking down the street at 180, and you know some I don't know truck comes barreling through, and it's like, dude, I had another 300. Like, right. like you just ruined a really sweet setup for me. Right. You know. Yeah. So yeah, accidental death you got to take off the table somehow, right? And the, your simulation situation, I feel like, does a pretty good job with that. Scenario I could see happening, and uh, the other idea was. And maybe you might know more about this, Paul. Is like, because they've done it, like, more along the lines of cloning, like cloning uh, organs, cloning whatever, limbs, things like that, where it's like, okay, the body breaks down, we know this. So actually cloning 
your DNA print, and that's where we get back into the transferring of consciousness and mm-hmm. all that. But something like that, do you know that being applied to this kind of idea? I mean, I definitely think that, um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of exciting technologies that play into it. So I think from a from a sci-fi standpoint, there's like a lot of people thinking about it. Like, you know, I feel like since the since the since I found out at least about 3D printing, I feel like that's always been part of the conversation. Like, you'll be able to print that's your crazy. organs. You'll be able to print. You know, right. as soon as something as soon as something you know uh, malfunctions, we'll be able to print it, and it'll be perfect fidelity. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, man. Look, here's <clears throat> here's the funny thing, right, about the body that um, maybe people don't necessarily think about, but especially in the present age of COVID that we're in is really important to think about. Your body is is under a constant attack. It's under a constant battle, right? Of like, your body is on the battlefield of bacteria and viruses. That's essentially like the Battle of Gettysburg and all the uniforms look the same. And it's like, friend or foe, friend or foe. I don't know, are you a friend? Are you a foe? I don't know, let's tag you. Let's, you know, somebody else's job. You know, the body... The body doesn't do a great job in accepting foreign material because that's what keeps you alive. Your body needs to have a really good bouncer. Your body needs to say no to a lot of cells, right? So just because something is 3D printed with your, you know, genetic material, is your does your is your body fooled? I don't know. You know, we don't we don't know enough about the systems that your body uses to know until we try it if the body's going to be like i'm fooled or nope sorry i know this is fake get it out you said body can reject it basically like right potentially okay i get right. that so you know i think we'll get better at it i mean that that's that's sort of the the fun and the art of science is that i think we'll try it it maybe won't work we'll try it some more we'll tweak it we'll figure out you know it's like we'll 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 figure out how to sneak in when the bouncer's back is turned like that's the, you know that's, that's the job to kind right. of you know keep working at it um so i think we can get there right um but i think when we speculate about it we underestimate how good the body is at you know detecting foreign material right exactly interesting exactly so, oh, man. so we'll see this you is... know i think it's i think it's gonna happen right? yeah but uh but right. you know if because obviously, look, we do transplants, right? We do, situ- you know, we have situations where a kidney from one person can go into another where, you know, we've we've done a pretty good job so far of tricking the body with totally foreign material that's totally genetically foreign. Mm-hmm. So if you have something that's genetically identical, well, that should that should do a good job, right? But out the gate, will it work? I don't know. So and I think it'll take a little time for us to, to tweak it, and, you know, but but I think we can get there where, where it's really where it works really, really well. And and I think to the benefit I'm hoping is that it'll be more of a, a sort of cloning type approach will work better across the board. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Where right now we're dealing with this thing where some people are better matches, which basically means that that some people are better hosts and some people are better you know, givers, if you will, right? But like, mm. but the individual to individual variation is so high in terms of, you know, it's not just it's not just the kidney going in; it's the system it's going into. So I feel right. like by using identical genetic material, we'll have a better overall like all system. Once we once we tweak it, it'll work better for all systems, as opposed to this kind of individual by individual customized basis that 
um, that we're kind of working with now, right? Right. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We we got to have you back on, Paul, and really get more into this. Don't bring um, back, Paul. You got to come back. Right? This has been a lot of fun. So yeah. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to get to talk to you guys, and and you know I think this has been this has been a lot of fun. So um, yeah, I'm happy to uh, uh, to do this again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, huge huge thanks to you, Paul, for uh, coming on, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely have you back. My mind is blown. This is. I mean, there's so many questions still, unfortunately, um, but yeah, we'll definitely revisit this um, next time. Thanks a lot, Paul, for coming on, and uh, we'll be back. I'm Josh. I'm Juan. And I'm Paul. And this is Paul. <laughs> and Dave, 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 uh, Dave wandered off to the Dave bathroom. Yeah. grease off his fingers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Take care, everyone, and we'll we'll be back. <laughs>